Welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations, a podcast that's all about connection, sisterhood, and having conversations that matter. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring women about the nitty-gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. We dive deep into our journeys, the obstacles we've overcome, our dreams, what's working for us, and what isn't. We're totally honest about what we're learning, what our daily rituals look like, and what we're struggling with. We don't shy away from the hard stuff, and we really go into it all. Spirituality, personal development, magic, routines, career, friendship, relationships, sexuality, and so much more. The most powerful two words in the English language are, me too, and it's my hope that these conversations help us all feel less alone. This isn't about preachy self-help or self-improvement. It's about self-acceptance and talking about the things that matter to us. Hello, and welcome to The Girl Gang Conversations, episode 87. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars. That's S-T-A-R-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 87. So today's interview was pre-recorded before I started my maternity leave, and it is with Veronica Yons. Veronica is on a mission to empower women to unapologetically live their lives through kink and BDSM. To her, kink and BDSM are vessels that take people on a transformative journey to become their most confident, empowered, and enlightened self. She sat down to chat with me about the basics of what BDSM and kink are, what it looks like for her to live in a 24-7 dominant submissive relationship, the myths about BDSM that she'd like to dispel, and the transformative power of BDSM and kink. Hi, Veronica. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Really excited to have you on the show today. And just to start out, before we start talking about your journey and your work and your passions and all of it, I'd love to hear about a typical day in your life. And that may not exist as it doesn't for most of us, but what are the routines or rituals that anchor your day? Oh, wow. Just, we're just diving right in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my... This is actually an interesting question because as an entrepreneur, you know how you're always reading about entrepreneurs or the best ones or whatever or the most successful ones needing a routine to mm-hmm. follow? So I've tried everything. So I started my entrepreneurial journey probably three-ish years ago almost, and I tried getting up early tried drawing, tried doing some yoga or stretching, and I'm like, nothing ever worked for me. And it wasn't until I met my partner, so my current partner, his name is Curtis, and he is my dominant, so we live a 24-7 DS relationship. For real, it's not just for role play, even though we have so many other friends that do. And so my routine that anchors me every morning is something that I do for him, so it's called morning service and so it's putting myself in the mind frame and mindset of being in service to him and giving and so that varies from like serving coffee with intention in our special way or choosing out choosing his clothes or picking out whatever it is that he needs for the day and so that lasts probably for about 45 minutes before he goes to work and it really centers and grounds me so that 
after he leaves, I'm in that mindset to be able to work and be focused because that's how my brain starts out. It's like calm and centered and just, I don't know, feeling inspired because it's just the way that our dynamic and relationship works. Mm. And so that is something that I can dive into more. But yeah, that is how integrating kink into my life, especially in the morning, has helped me be so much more productive. And I didn't know that until literally when I met him like seven months ago. Wow. I'm really curious to talk a little bit more about what that lifestyle looks like between you and your partner. Um, but before we get there, let's like talk a little bit more <laughs> about your day. Um, you know, what does a work day look like for you right now? A work day looks like, well, right now I'm, we're, I'm redoing my office because I'm focused so much on filming. So it's more like couch working. And I realized that I don't really like working on the couch. Mm. And so I can't wait to get my desk back in order. So a typical day for me, um, I try to minimize as many meetings as possible because I feel like it just takes away from my work. And so I also run another business on the on the side. And when I say on the side, it's because I'm not focusing on it as much as I am for desires I bear, but it actually is about helping entrepreneurs and small businesses increase their business operations efficiencies. And so it's like I'm your temporary COO for hire. I teach you how to create systems and pro- processes so that your business runs smoothly. And so for me, I've learned that block scheduling works really well. Yeah. Not to say that I'm scheduling my day to the minute or to the 15 minutes, but it's like Mondays and Tuesdays are my major meeting days, for instance. And so Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, or whatever, it's more like me focusing on work and whatever that work is. And I usually try to focus on filming, like all my videos on a Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday is more like a admin day, but I have realized that my Mondays are my most unproductive days of the week. I'm so much more productive as the day and weeks go on. So it's right now really about connecting with prospective members and people that are just learning to that they are interested in kink, which is why most of my days in the phase that I'm in for my business is about education and awareness. And so I get to try a lot of different things like physical flyers and that types of advertisement because it's not something that you focus on as an online entrepreneur. So I started my journey as an online entrepreneur and now I'm like moving to the analog slash physical space where I'm working on teaching live workshops and speaking at events. And so my days are just filled with work, (laughs) whatever work is, and I have to remember to take breaks. And I, I work at home, so my dogs get to sit around me. And so I feel like it's just really homely because that's just the type of person I am. I don't know if that's answering your question. Yeah, it absolutely okay. is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious when you say that Mondays are your least productive days. I'm just so curious about how people, like, um, <laughs> harness their time. And so do you think that's because it's your admin day or and your meeting day? So it doesn't feel as productive because it's like not doing the bigger things or is it more that like you just know that the more you sink into your week and get into it that you get more in the zone? I think it's a little bit of both. So this has just been something that I realized. And so when I said earlier that Friday was sort of my catch-up day, I'm like maybe Monday's going to be my catch-up day now. And the reason why I think it's just slow is because I 
I still work on the weekends, mm-hmm. even though even though it's not like hardcore work, but if there's something nice about working on the weekends where nobody like emails you or is needing things from you that's due on a weekend. Right. And so it's kind of that time to myself, but at the same time, it's also a weekend, so you don't feel pressured to work. And it makes me sound kind of like a workaholic, but it's like I love what I do, and I get so much energy from what I do that I'm like, I don't think this is really considered work. I just love doing what I do. <laughs> yeah, so, that's such a funny line, isn't it, when it, you're really working on your passions? Totally. So, yeah, I think it's just a combination of me finishing off usually Sundays being a super productive day. So Monday is kind of like, okay, everybody has to work now, but I'm just going to, you know, take it easy in my meetings and plan to really make sure that my time is spent productively wherever it is spent that week. Nice. And so then this question I know can feel like the trickiest question for everyone because it's however you want to chunk it down, really, it's very broad. But I'd love if you could just tell us more about your journey with BDSM and kink and also, like, what what led you to starting the business that you have now. Okay. So I didn't realize that I was kinky since the age of four. And the reason why I say four is because I think that's when I first watched Aladdin. And this is not something that you're cognizant of as a kid, but more like, as an adult. So I feel like I'm pretty introspective. And so I'm like, I wonder when I was kinky or is kinky something being kinky, something that's always with you, kind of like your sexuality. You don't just discover that you could be gay. It's not a choice in my opinion. And so I was like, okay, so I knew that I discovered kink or really discovered kink when I was 13. And I watched this movie called Secretary starring. Oh yeah. (laughs) sorry Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader and I was like holy shit what is this let me record and or let me just rewind the entire movie and certain scenes over and over again because I don't know what's going on but I'm super super turned on Mm. and this is at the age of 13 where like hormones are raging and I'm like whatever I, I dig this it's my favorite movie now as a kid at that age and nobody's ever heard of it. I'm like, have you ever seen this movie called Secretary? And no one's like, whatever. <laughs> I remember and, like getting my college roommates to watch that movie. Like, cause just cause a friend of mine had been like, this is a really great movie. Like you'll really enjoy it. It's really interesting. And then the, like, I didn't know what it's about. And I did find it really interesting. And then another woman and I like really liked it. And the rest of our housemates were just like, okay. <laughs> Judgment. And gosh, And so then afterwards, you know, you watch a movie, and then you don't think much of it. And then in 2009, so here's part of my, like, geekery coming out. Mm -hmm. But I am a huge Harry Potter fan. Not just, like, read the books and watch the movies. Like, I did all the things. I read fan fiction. I joined online communities, got sorted. Like, actually made friends that I speak to to this day since, like, 2009 where we all had our live journals and we all joined communities and did things that even had Quidditch matches on live journals. It worked. Oh, yeah. And so uh, in 2009, I read this fanfic. So 
Here, here we go. So, like, my favorite pairing together is still Snape and Hermione. I don't care what anybody says. I think they are the shit together. She doesn't belong with Ron. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, I read this fanfic called For the Potions Master's Agreement, and it was about Snape being dominant and Hermione. So, this was, she was of age, you know, let's make sure we get that out of the way. And she was... This was, like, her discovering her submissive side. Like, she didn't know she was kinky at all. But Snape saw the signs, and she came to him, actually. And so it was, like, this was, like, a 70-plus chapter fanfic, and I just kept reading. I can't – I couldn't wait for every chapter to come out, like, every other week or so. And so that's when I was, like, oh, my God, I really, really have to explore this. And so a lot of – how I knew I was kinky was through media, consumption of media, either visually or reading. And so, like, when you see yourself recording and re-recording and then rewinding scenes from when Princess Leia was Jabba the Hutt's slave over and over again and wanting to be in that position or wanting to be the red jasmine in Aladdin, because no one wants to be the blue jasmine. She doesn't get handcuffed or... Uh, imprisoned in the hourglass so it's like that's when they're I'm just just like okay there's something going on here I don't know what it is but I'm completely like turned on by it and I have to find out and so it wasn't until 2013 that I actually when I broke up with my partner I was like okay if I don't go into the community if I don't explore this I will regret it and I didn't want to live life with regrets because I've wanted this so bad. And so now that I have a chance, if I don't, I'll be like, what the hell self? So I jumped into the community. And when I say jumped into the community, it means like you go to events that are put on by the local BDSM slash kink members. And so mostly the bet, the first thing that you should do is not to go to a play party or go to a dungeon. You could, but it's like, it's not safe because you want to be able to get to know people, make friends. And so the first thing that people suggest you do and that I always suggest people do is go to what we call munches. And so munches are like get-togethers, like meetups at bars or restaurants, which is why they're called munches, started in San Francisco, where you just go in your regular day clothes because people ask, like, what do you wear to a munch? Like, I wore what I wore to work or what I was interning at that time. And you just hang out, get to make friends and get to know people. And so that's been my journey. And so I think I've been in the community for over four years now, since 2013. So, and it's been such a transformative one. That's so interesting. I'm so curious to hear more about a lot of that. Um, and I guess just to, to like pull it back to basics before we dive in even further, can you just explain in its simplest terms, what is BDSM? Thanks so much for asking that question. I sometimes can get ahead of myself. But BDSM, when it first was coined, was meant for a specific subset of kink. And so BDSM specifically stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. But now, as the term has evolved and has, and has oh my goodness, how do I say this? Now that, like, the term has evolved over time, it's kind of like the catch-all phrase that people use. Mm-hmm. And so BDSM stands more for more than just those things that I listed. 
And so how do you think the terms kind of expanded over time? I think it's come to include other aspects of kink. Like a lot of people are into, say, age play, where they progress to a younger age than they are currently. And I've heard it be referred to as BDSM, too. Okay. And so when you talk about kink, I mean, obviously, like, I feel like they're the stereotypical kinks that you see on, like, sitcoms, right? Like a foot fetish or, like, I don't know, just, like, the ones that come up again and again. But obviously, it's, like, a very diverse set of, like, a diverse world. And I'm curious, like, is there a way to define the parameters of kink or does everyone have a little bit of kink and that just has to do with your sexual preferences? Yes. So this question actually came up a lot when I was defining how to teach kink and BDSM from desires like theirs perspective, because given that we focus on people that have never done this, people who like saw a movie like 50 shades of gray and suddenly were turned on, it's like, how do I guide them in a way that makes sense and breaks down such complex information into something they can digest? And so in order to figure out what it meant to be kinky, I was like, okay, so what does it mean to be vanilla or non-kinky? So when people are referred to as vanilla by the kink community, which I actually don't like that phrase because it's, it's like putting a label on somebody and it's like, to me, a very judgmental right. yeah. word. And so... I'm like, okay, so what does it mean to be non-kinky or vanilla, just for the sake of starting somewhere? And when I did research, and given that BDSM and kink and sex are so heavily connected, then I'm like, okay, let's start with sex, because everybody knows sex. (laughs) Everybody can be the sex. And so when I looked back, I did some research back into history, and people were like, well, sex was meant to be, was not meant for pleasure. Sex was meant to be an act of continuing your lineage. Mm. So it was often heterosexual sex, so a man and a woman, for the sake of trying to produce a baby. Like there would be no pleasure for the woman, I think, based on what I've read. So I'm not a historian. This is just based on the Internet. As much as I could research and talking to people who are experts in this field, it's like, it's like a job. You have sex, you have babies, and that was the point of sex, was to continue your family line. And so there was no pleasure, no foreplay, any of that. So if that was what sex was meant for, and often is still now in a lot of culture, even though it's evolving, it's like maybe this is what kinky sex is. Missionary position, man and a woman, no foreplay, um, intercourse until the man orgasms and that's that and it sounds really really dry but that's I think that's what kinky sex to me is even though it there is some pleasure involved and, or not I'm sorry I'm sorry shoot and that's what vanilla sex is to me it's like missionary position and between a man and a woman and so it's almost to argue that by being non-hetero you're by default kinky, but again, this is not trying to get into any kind of labeling, but just to give people a sense that kink is something that I think a lot of people have within them that they don't think they have. Right. Was that crazy? Was that complicated or tangenty? 
No, I. It's just like it's just not an easy question to answer. No, absolutely, it's such a like a broad thing to try and pin down. Right, um, but we had to start somewhere. Exactly. So, you were talking earlier about living your life at twenty four seven in this dominant submissive lifestyle with your partner, and so I think that too like shows that this is a lifestyle rather than, um, you know, just it's not act. just your sex life, yeah. So could you talk more about what that means to live in a DS lifestyle 24-7? Yes. So for me, it means that my partner and I are in this mindset all the time. And not to say that we're, you know, we can't be on break, but it's just so natural to us that it's like we don't, we don't think about when are we in DS and when are we not in dominant submission? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so based on my experience in kink and my journey thus far, I've come to realize that kink is a mindset. It's like a mindset practice. Kink and BDSM are so mentally and emotionally focused that I don't think a lot of kink is focused on it today. And so based on that perspective, my partner and I live the the lifestyle and the relationship 24-7 in the sense that I'm, even though I'm an entrepreneur and a submissive, it, it can work. And so I'm always in the position of service. And how I view our relationship in a way when people don't understand how I can live this 24-7, it's like, well, do you understand how a CEO works? Do you understand how members of a business like the CEO or a COO or CFO works. And since I'm so integrated into entrepreneurial community, it's like telling people that my partner is the CEO and that I am the COO allows them to go, oh, I get it. It's not just something that you're cognizant or it's not something that you're constantly reminding yourself of that, oh, I'm the CEO of this company or I'm the COO of this company. It's like, you have strengths that you want to focus on and you have strengths that you know your partner has or you know that your partner has strengths that he or she excel in. And so it's like you bring that out. You bring the best of them out. And so in terms of DS, it's like I see my partner as the CEO of our relationship company and I'm the COO and I make it happen. And so it's like he's, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I'm just curious, like, whether you run into judgment around that. Like, I know something I want to talk to you about later that you would brought up before the interview was the kind of the link between feminism and kink and submission. And I, I wonder if you run into judgment that having a CEO in a relationship is unfeminist and, and what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely not. And so, to me, feminism, so I've not connected well with the the definitions of feminism that I've heard around, especially lately, given everything that's happening in the U.S. And it's funny because I, when I discovered my kink reading the Harry Potter fan fiction thing, I was, I was taking a feminist studies 101 class. So talk about major ambivalence there. (laughs) And so it was really hard for me to reconcile, like at that time when I first started, I'm like, is it possible to be a feminist and be submissive at the same time? Whatever submissive means to each and every one of us at 
whatever percent of our commitment. And so just because I live the lifestyle 24-7 doesn't mean that you are not, it's not, like, it's not as good if you don't. It's like, however it is you want to live kink, I all, I'm all for you. I support you. But it's just this is how I do it. And so when I was like, can I, I was Googling feminist submissive or can you be feminist and submissive at the same time, whatever it is I was Googling. And so over the years, especially in kink, I've come to create my own definition of feminism and that is the right to choose your own path. And so if you choose to be a stay-at-home mom, if you choose to run a business like I do while coming home to submit to my partner, that is my choice and that is my path. And I think that choosing and knowing that you stand in your power to choose is such a huge definition of feminism. And it's not about being as equal to men or doing something as the same caliber as someone else. It's like that comparison to me has never resonated, but that's just me. And so that's how I come at our relationship, that I choose to let my partner lead. I am more than capable of leading because I lead in every aspect of my life everywhere else. But I deem him worthy enough and I respect him enough and trust him enough to let him lead our relationship. Mm. And so I know what I stand for and I know how I feel and it doesn't matter how anyone else looks at my relationship. We know where we stand. This has been the most healthiest relationship I've had. And he encourages me to reach for my dreams. He knows I have really expansive goals as an entrepreneur in my career. And he's never felt threatened by it ever. And so it's hard to not be a feminist in my perspective, because it's like I'm making so many decisions, even though it's DS, like dominant submissive, and you see a lot of what's in the movies, like submissive needs to ask for permission or whatever it is that you may have seen in the sense of what a submissive is. It's like I don't live that kind of a submissive lifestyle. I know the service that I need to provide, and I know the dynamic between us, but the rest of the time it's like, I also know what is expected of me. And so hard work is like a core value of his. So he would never be okay if I just sat home and did nothing anyways. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so I think that's such an interesting perspective. Um, And I, I can imagine there being curiosity from people who don't necessarily have, and and I guess myself included who like, you know, like really um, struggle to not be leaders in every aspect of their life. So and this, I think, is going to be going to be something that's hard to pin down. Um, so, for yourself, but like, do you, where do you think that desire to be submissive comes from, or like, what what need does that fulfill for you? So, when I was a kid, I realized that the desire to be submissive also meant the desire to serve and when I say serve I meant like be in service so when I do things and so actually when I let's say if we backtrack um this kind of had gotten me into trouble in a way with my friendship and my relationships in the past before I knew what it meant and also having a partner who was extremely receptive and desired 
service as a way that love was shown. And so when I say service, it's not like I'm on the floor, Cinderella-ing away my days. Being in service is very personal to everybody's relationship. And so for me, it's just the mindset of giving what my what I know my partner or my dominant wants in the way that he wants it. So like if I ever present coffee to him, it's a very, very specific way. It's his coffee tumbler on my palm and the drink area is faced towards him. And so even that small act, it's done with intention and that is considered service between the both of us is because I'm providing something in the way that he likes it and he's receiving it with much happiness and gratitude. So going back to figuring out where that desire comes from, I think it was just my way of feeling validated. Like I just enjoy being in service and being allowed to not lead. And perhaps that came about from my childhood, but it's not to say or not to perpetuate that everybody who's kinky has like childhood issues or mommy and daddy issues. But I think it was just, Being in service made me feel really good, but I did it in a way that wasn't healthy. And so it was looked upon by family and also past partners that I was being a martyr. Mm. Like what? Oh, you're giving me the better of the two scrambled eggs, for instance, because one scrambled egg set A looks better than B. So you must be in a woe is me position. Like if Veronica gives me the best, one means that she's going to be like, well, I gave you the best one. So here we go. And I have the second best one. I'm like, that's that was never the case. I'm like, I could care less what my scrambled eggs look like, for instance. But I always wanted to make sure that my partners or whoever I was giving to, even friends, I'm like, I want to make sure that you're taken care of. And so it's my way of showing that I care. And I did not know that that was a sign of, for me, of submission. Okay. And then, like, you know, obviously you've given the example of, of serving um, serving coffee to your partner. And just so we can get a better understanding of what a dominant submissive relationship, and obviously this is one particular example, so not to, to draw complete generalities, but to get a better idea of what this can look like. Um, would your partner ever make you coffee, for example? Yes, absolutely. So just because you are a dominant doesn't mean that I am, like, a slave to you. I mean, this is a partnership at the end of the day. Right. And so if you were to take it back and ask, like, would the CEO ever do something a CEO does for the CEO because he or she needed it done or was sick or whatever, the answer would be yes. It's like, this is a partnership that is all about, so here I'm getting a little woo, but it's like equal energy exchange. And so my partner definitely would serve me coffee if, needed be or I needed it or wanted it and I couldn't make it myself right or and just because he want, or just because he wanted to yeah <laughs> yeah and I think that's something that maybe doesn't come across in more the partnership element doesn't come across and the equal exchange of energy doesn't always come across in more mainstream media depictions of of a relationship um we see and that's more what I'm, the, yeah and that's what I'm here to change like the perception that people have in the kink community or about the kink community 
and what BDSM and kink and DS is all about. And so going further in that direction, what myths about BDSM would you like to dispel today? I Okay, so top three, I think I'm just going to list them, whatever comes to my mind, but okay. not in any, like, importance. And since I'm the submissive and there are a lot of, like, misjudgments about submissives, I'll start there. So we may end up going to four. That's all good. <laughs> okay, so myth number one, the submissive has no power. And that is not true. The submissive has pretty much, you could argue, all the power in the relationship because if there is no submissive, there is no dominant. And when I say power, it means the power to say yes, the power to say no, the power to speak up. Just because you're the submissive doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. And that is a myth that I'm trying to work so hard on changing people's beliefs of. So another myth is that people assume that all kinksters wear nothing but black and chokers yeah. and, look, and look like goths or are being led around in dog collars and dog leashes. <laughs> that is actually only a very, very small and finite aspect of kink. And even though I have a collar on and I've been led around with a dog leash, it's not like I do this 24-7. I actually enjoy wearing my dresses and colors and whatnot, but that's just the stereo, like, goth-looking type or emo that I've seen people think BDSM practitioners look like. I'm like, actually, we look like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So that's myth number two. Um, the best submissive are the ones that never say no or yes. And so that is a myth that I think a lot of people didn't know was a myth. And I know I kind of already touched upon having power earlier, but people, when they assume they're, someone's a submissive in the relationship, they assume that that person has no confidence or no backbone or no spine. And because if you're submissive, it means, it's like the definition of being submissive, like a Merriam-Webster. It's meaning like you're meek and docile, which is also true. But in the sense of being submissive in BDSM, it's like if you are a submissive and you never say no or you let people walk all over you, then that actually is not a fulfilling relationship for a lot of people. Some people may need that and some people may want that in a submissive partner, but in general, it's like the more you can speak up, the more power that you have, it makes you that much better as a submissive because it makes more for a fulfilling relationship. Yeah, I think it's hard for me to conceptualize of someone who's very vocal about their needs and boundaries being submissive. Um, so it's something I'm definitely going to have to chew on, but that's really interesting to hear. So like when I talk about a submissive being, well, not submissive, it's like, that's why, why I prefaced it earlier that our relationship was like a C CEO slash COO. Um, you don't want someone who's a doormat that you can walk all over. Right. Maybe. Okay. So maybe I'm, I'm trying to be inclusive of everybody. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what you need, either as a dominant or submissive. But in general, and especially for me, 
I don't want a partner who walks all over me and not, and I don't have a say. And my partner definitely does not want someone he can walk all over. It's like he values my opinion. CEO values COO's opinion. And if you could just walk all over someone, would you really see them as a COO or slash CEO? Right. And so, and you wouldn't and want so, them helping to run your business. Exactly. And I try to put this in like terms that, or analogies that people understand. And so I hope that works. Absolutely. So are there any other myths you wanted to dive into? Um, yes. Yeah, so kink and BDSM, the myth is that it's all about kinky sex. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge stereotype. While the sex is there, so while the sex is there, it's not the only aspect that makes for a BDSM or kink relationship. And like I said earlier, it's so much more about the mental and physical, or, oh my gosh, it's so much more about the emotional and mental side of it. And it's something that the media, like books, movies, TV shows don't touch upon because it's not easy to portray that aspect and it's not sexy. But in order to get to that fun and sexy part or the part that makes it very fulfilling and transformative by integrating kink into your life, the mental and emotional aspect have to be there. Because if you don't have the power to say no, how are you ever going to let yourself go and enjoy being on the submissive side, for instance, or if you don't have any acceptance for the carnal or possibly very perverted desires you have as a dominant, how are you ever going to step into that and take control, the control that your partner is looking for you to take? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why Desires Like Fair focuses so much on the mental and emotional side. It's like anybody can be taught how to pin you know, your partner up against the wall. Like that's a video that we have a series on how to like do these moves safely or anybody can teach you how to tie up your partner or get tied up. That's the easy part. The hard part is, or the most fulfilling part is accepting who you are saying yes, saying no. And that sets your mind up for a very enjoyable experience while being tied up. Because if you're, unsure while you're tied up or you're not confident of your ability to feel safe and let go it's like you're never going to have that great mind body and soul experience that being tied up can give you for instance that leads well into something else that I wanted to ask you about because a big part of your work seems to be on the really like personal development and kind of transformative side of BDSM and kink. And so yes. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about like why are these practices and this lifestyle so transformative? To me, it's about stepping into your power. To me, kink and BDSM is a catalyst to living the life that you desire and going after what you want in life, giving you that empowerment and giving you that confidence to say yes or no. So to me, the reason why kink and BDSM is so transformative is that it doesn't just stay in one little closed off area in your life. It ripples out to other aspects of your life, your career, your relationships, your ability to communicate with people because communication is like the foundation of being able to practice kink successfully. 
And so, yeah, it's to me, it's almost like how I've told other people that Desire Laid Bare focuses on. It's like it could be like life coaching with kink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's about being able to say yes without shame or guilt. That's a lot. That's a big part that we talk about because that's a lot of what people come into desires like they're having. It's like, well, I don't really know if it's okay to want desire to be ravished so much or have, say, rape fantasies because it just seems wrong. But if if you're in control, like if you've negotiated everything and you know that you can say stop at any time with your safe word, for instance, it's like it gives you that power to be able to explore what it is that you want and come out on the other side knowing that you're fully protected because you can protect yourself. Hmm. I imagine there's going to be people listening today who are hearing some of themselves in the things that you're describing and, and talking about with your own journey. And what are some ways that people could dip their toes into BDSM and kink if they're curious but perhaps a little bit nervous? answer your question I think how to get started in the realm of kink and BDSM is not to go try it with your partner say tonight you could or today whatever but I think the work begins with yourself and I tell a lot of people keep like a kink diary or keep like a keep like a kink journal and I know it sounds so unsexy to say that but it's like that's your personal journal, and I think that's, like, the safe space where you can start writing down things that you desire. Mm. Is it being tied up and gagged with your own underwear, for instance, without feeling guilty? Is it being a woman and being dominant in the relationship and not feeling guilty or wrong for that because that's not portrayed in the media? And so the kink journey starts with yourself. And... I think on the physical side, if you wanted to just have some fun, it'd be like, start playing with things around in the house. You, your house is like the ultimate dungeon. There's so many things that you can use in your house to like be kinky with that we, I have like a whole class series on that because it just cracks me up that people are like, I can't start having kinky sex because I don't have like the dungeon that Christian Grey has. I'm like, oh, your kitchen and bedroom are full of dungeon equipment trust me on this (laughs) so yeah so that's two ways to get started it's just like let your mind roam free like walk around your kitchen seriously what could you use with yourself or with your partner that would be fun like kinks should be fun oh that's another myth that I should have dispelled earlier I'm going to add it in right now yeah people think that BDSM and kink has to be super, super, super serious and that you can't laugh because if you laugh, you're not doing it right or have fun. Seriously. Like if you watched Secretary, it was super, super serious. Yeah. You watched Fifty Shades of Grey, it was super, super serious. It's like if you can't have fun and you can't laugh, then why bother? So yeah, absolutely. I think a huge fulfilling part of being kinky and having that relate like humor aspect is important like sure there's room to be serious right when you're having serious conversation or if that's the mindset you're in but just don't let that be your only mindset it's like you do you that's what kink should be about not like this one true way that if you don't do it this one true way it's wrong 
mm-hmm. or that you're not practic- practicing kink correctly. So, okay, that was a tangent. But going back to how to get started, um, if you're working on self-work, like this is the first part of like, okay, discovering what you may or may not want, just journal about it. Yeah. And then second, if you want to try something with your partner tonight, walk through the kitchen or walk through your bedroom and talk to your partner. So that's a huge part of Desires Like Bear is communication and talking to your partner. And so it's like, what are things that you could do? Because being kinky and also exploring kink is about stepping outside your comfort zone. Like, oh, I could never use that whisk. I'm like, oh, yeah, you could. (laughs) (laughs) Just clean it afterwards. I'm not saying, like, use it for penetration, but, like, sensation play is a big part of kink. And so especially if you're blindfolded and you have, like, a whisk that's something that's, like, a little cold running up and down your body, maybe you'll find a new erogenous zone. Who knows? Or it's like exploring what feels good and what doesn't feel good, especially with a partner, because I think that's very, very powerful. And that can make your relationship that much stronger. So that's what I always say is go into the kitchen, talk to your partner and be like, hey, you know, what are some things that we could do to have fun in here that's different than what people would normally have fun with whatever normally means because god knows i'm not normal (laughs) (laughs) well i love that as a tweetable like kink can start in the kitchen kink can start in the kitchen i love it (laughs) (laughs) so there's a couple of questions that i love to wrap up every interview with um and the first is when it comes to your own personal development what are you working on learning or implementing uh kink wise or anything anything that comes to mind for personal development uh, so for me, uh, I'm also working on aspects of this that I teach members of Desires Like Bear, but it's also about shedding guilt and shame in other areas of your life. And so a lot of my guilt and shame came from, well, a lot of ours, I think, in general, like family as a kid. And so I'm working on shedding a lot of guilt and shame that I've built up over the years that I didn't even know was there until... Mm-hmm. I stepped on it. Yeah. (laughs) So personal development wise, that's what I'm working on. Um, I'm also learning how to market in business because that's not, that's not my expertise whatsoever. I'm more, so just fit. So my natural inclination is to be a COO slash CEO. And so that's why I think our relationship works so well, but it's like in terms of development, well, learning how to market, like, Use social media to not just look at cat photos, but to be, (laughs) even though I do or save cute dog videos, oh my God. But it's also to be strategic, to learn how to find people that may, and so that is not something that I've usually thought about when it comes to social media, because I'm all about, you know, the cute recipes and the dogs and the cats, (laughs) you know, the usual. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The good stuff. So this question could be, you know, it can be related to kink or not related to kink. It can be super serious or super frivolous, whatever you want. Uh, what's one thing that you're obsessed with these days that's making your life better? Making my life better? Oh, my God. So, okay, so it is not kink related, but I just discovered the Instant Pot. <laughs> what's so that? The Instant Pot is like, 
it's like a pressure cooker. So the one that they're marketing that you can buy at Amazon Prime, it's like $99 and it's like seven or whatever. Don't sue me Instapot for wrong information. Um, it's like this rice cooker slash saute machine slash slow cooker slash all the cookers in one. And so like it can cook your meat from frozen to tender and like chicken in like 90 minutes because God knows I'll forget to like take out chicken to like defrost or whatever. Mm -hmm. So on the non kink side, I'm looking forward to making, well, actually it is kink related because service to my partner is really important. So he could eat cereal all day, every day for every meal. And that would make him happy. So by cooking for him, as horrible as I am at cooking, it means a lot to him. It shows I'm willing to step into an uncomfort zone. Yeah, so cooking is a huge insecurity for me because I'm like, I, I usually don't cook. And so now that I do all the cooking in the relationship, it's like, how do I learn to make it efficient so that I have more time to spend with him while making the food taste just as great or have time to spend on my business without freaking out if I'm cooking or like, hovering over the stove enough so see, it's all actually oops. so it's all actually related <laughs> but yeah that is yeah I'm looking forward to buying so that's going to help me in my life in all the ways life relationship work and like everything that's awesome <laughs> so yeah see what isn't kinky related actually is kinky related Yeah, that's a big lesson from this episode for sure. And so then just as we wrap up, for anyone who feels drawn to you, how can people work with you or support your work? Absolutely. So you can sign up for Desiredly Bear and be a member. Right now the membership is at $29.99 per month. And when you go in, it's kind of like the experience that I would have wanted when I came into the King community. I made so many mistakes that I wish that I didn't make. But I did, and so I've taken all the mistakes and all the wins that I've learned over the years and information from King Conferences and created it, like created a really guided and safe and healthy journey for members that I think is missing from kink in general. So it's like when you, for instance, so I'm trying to use like different analogies. So here's one. It's like saying you go to a completely foreign country You don't speak the language. You don't know the people. You've never been there, but you want to go. So this is like kink. So you can either have a tour guide take you where you go to all the best spots, all the best restaurants or all the best sites, and that tour guide will let you explore, but at the end of the day, you always check back in with the tour guide before you move on. Or you can buy a book and have like a DIY kind of experience. And for me, Desire Lay Bear is like that tour guide of kink experience oh that's a great way of putting it i love that and and for anyone who wants to check out desires laid bear the link is obviously in the show notes for you to go and and have a look at everything yeah be a member i would love to have you and if you don't feel like being a member and you want to contribute your or if you want to start your king journey somewhere because everybody starts somewhere sometimes with the website sometimes before that wherever it is, another option is to submit a secret to kink secret. And no, not all your secrets have to be kinky, but usually kink is synonymous with forbidden. And so, but it is actually at the end of the day, kinky. It's like submit a secret to 
Kink Secret, which is you can follow the Instagram at, at Kink Secret or submit to the link at bit.ly slash Kink Secret. Right, it's all in the show notes, right? <laughs> Look, I'm That's trying to be right. proactive. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Go click yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, thank you so much, Veronica. This has been so interesting and so exciting thank to talk you. to you. And today. I'd just like to say thank you so much for having me on. And, oh, yeah, that Kink Secret thing is completely anonymous, so submit all the secrets. I'll never know who submits it, but... I'm serious. Like, this feed is so hilarious to me, from the funny to the embarrassing. Like, I didn't think that starting this little project of mine to bring light into something that people perceive as so crazy is so funny. Like, that's my plug for King's Secret. And also join Desire Lake Fair. All that stuff. See, like, I'm learning how to market, right? I'm learning how to market. (laughs) But thank you so much for having me today. You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 87. And I'd love to know what you thought of today's interview. So please join us in Girl Gang HQ. That's our private Facebook group where we can discuss the ins and outs of everything that happened in this episode. Our next interview is with Shivani Sate. Shivani is a South Asian American queer woman and the child of first generation immigrants from India. She's a longtime writer, but a new publisher. I loved her article, Healing is Valuable Work, and that's the very topic we dive into in this episode. We chat about how she restructured her life after burnout, how we can become more generous with our definition of work, and the cultural beliefs we have to undo in order to see the true value of taking care of ourselves. Just a reminder that these episodes have been pre-recorded before my maternity leave and that we're now on a bi-weekly publishing schedule. Until then, grab your girl gang and have a conversation that matters.